Hi, I'm Natalia. I'm Gen Z. I'm Molly, a millennial. This is Arnisha, Generation X. And I'm Micah, the boomer. And, and we, we are Dame, Dame Talk. Talk. Four women, four generations, four unique points of view. Hi, listeners. This is Dame Molly. Today, we are talking with a couple of teachers um, about the current situation and how do you teach in the midst of a global pandemic? What does it mean for, for them as, as you know, working women and as teachers? How has it changed their, their workplace? Um, and what are, how we can you know, potentially support working parents who are at home trying to work while also um, supporting their kids' education and thinking through as we start heading into summer. So uh, we have, uh, like I said, we have two teachers on with us today. Um, Angela, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you teach, what kind of school, how many kids you have, anything that, that might be helpful for, for our listeners to know? Yeah. Um, so hi, I'm Angela, and I teach second grade in South St. Louis City at a charter school. Um, so we have 30 scholars per classroom but we do have a TA or teacher's assistant to support that. Um, typically in our school, we do a blended learning program. So we do a lot of small group um, individual work. And then the other portion of the class is doing some sort of computer programs um, learning thing as well. So that's, wow. that's how our school is set up. We do, we also do whole group as well um, just to get kids more involved with each other, but that's just a little background of what I do. Great. And Krishana? Hi, um, I'm Krishana. I am a first grade teacher. I teach um, in Loudoun County, Virginia at a public school. And my school is a little bit of a unique environment. We are a wall-to-wall project-based learning school, which means we do very little direct instruction. Our kids learn through solving um, complex and challenging problems about the world. Um, and I have 28 students in my class. We have 28 students in almost every class. I am jealous of Angela because she is a teaching assistant. <laughs> I do not. Um, yeah, so that's a little bit wow. about my school. Wow, that's incredible to have 28 and 30 students in your in your classes. And it sounds like you both have really unique um, school setups. Yeah. I mean, certainly was not what uh, not what my elementary school sounded like. So that sounds really, really interesting. Um, and just for our listeners, Angela and I went to elementary school together uh, for a brief period of time, <laughs> or I suppose middle school. Um, so quite different from from her experience growing up, too. Yeah. Um, okay, so would love to. So that's that's great to kind of get us thinking about what your what your classrooms kind of looked like, what your what your uh, students were doing. How has your kind of what was your daily schedule like, you know, pre COVID, um, and what does it look like now? Krishana, you want to take yeah, that one first? So my schedule pre COVID looks very different. Um, than what it does now because I was with my learners all day. So being um, kind of an elementary school teacher, you teach every subject. So my kids would come in, they would um, get started on their morning work, they go through kind of math, reading, writing, um, specials, all of those things. But that was seven hours a day of instruction. Whereas now in COVID, my kids get about an hour a day of learning opportunities from me, whether it be on Google Classroom or through live meetings. 
Um, so that's very different for them because that's almost now you've freed up an entire day for students. So I think that it looks very different because my kids would come in and they would receive instruction from me where now they're getting instruction from a computer. Um, one way we've tried to bridge that is by doing a lot of video teaching. So what I do each week is that I create slideshows for my kids for each day. And for every single subject of the day, I videotape myself teaching that subject. Um, so they're getting kind of a similar learning experience where they're getting that opportunity um, to get what they need from me in order to be able to complete the lesson. But it's very different because they're not necessarily getting that same level of um, collaboration with other students, that, that same ability to kind of voice their thoughts and ideas and all of those things. And how many hours of work a day do the students do? So my kids get, they get 60 minutes a day of work from me and then they do an additional um, about an hour of like reading work that's on top of whatever I give them. Wow. Wow. Oh my goodness, sounds, what a yeah. change. Yeah, it's like turn their entire um, kind of day upside down. It gives them a lot more time um, to do things that they would choose to do. And what's great about my school being a project-based learning school is that my kids really have the opportunity to extend on their learning in ways that they couldn't in the classroom just due to the restrictions of our day. So I think that it's been really powerful um, for my kids when we're working on different projects, like we've been learning about maps right now and my kids have had the opportunity to spend extra time going on virtual field trips um, to take that time to learn more about maps and do research and do other things. So I think that they're finding ways to fill that space um, while also just getting a manageable amount of work from me. Wow, yeah, and Angela would love to hear from you on kind of how your your schedule looked before and, and what it looks like now. Yeah, um, so we had a similar one, like kids come in, do morning work, um, then we would do morning meeting, read aloud, and then we'd break into our small group reading rotations, um, go to lunch, recess, come back, do a whole group writing, and then social studies and science activities, go to specials, and then come back and end our day with math rotations. So, as you can see, it had, like, a nice flow. I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. um, of course, I love teaching. That's why I'm doing it for seven years now. So, <laughs> uh, it, is, it is very different now. So, their schedule is very similar to the one that Krishana mentioned. Uh, they probably get about a couple hours of work from me. I do all videos. Um, I do have a short reading passage that I post mm -hmm. with just a couple of questions. Um, just to kind of help them remind them to like go back and look for evidence. But it's always based off of whatever lesson I've done. Like we modeled how to make inferences using nonfiction texts. So that was something that I tried. Um, I, it went okay. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so just, it's totally completely changed. They get to do it whenever they want to. Um, yeah. It's just, it's a lot less structured and um I don't know if I mentioned this, but I work at a Title I school, so I uh, also had to, there was a lot of challenges with technology as okay. well, mm -hmm. um, so that's also changed, like, my, I have some kids who, like, I've had to learn how to use Google Classroom on, like, tablets of different forms and phones and computers so that when someone calls me for help, I actually kind of know what I'm, do like, doing to help them, but yeah, so that's, it's changed everything. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 
I can't even, I didn't even think about that. So if they have questions on how to even use the technology, like the kids or their, their parents or their caretakers, then they just, they have to come to you yeah. too yeah. for that. We have become wow. like the, yeah, I didn't even think about that. We have become like the genius bar at like Apple. We have to know like everything about everything. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but uh, technology was not my best friend before. Still not, but I am capable of using it. It just took me a while. And there were several times I wanted to throw my computer out the window and just be like, whoops, can't do it anymore. Don't have a laptop. Like, but then. (laughs) Yeah. But so you guys don't even have like a technical person at your school you can call to help coach you through anything. So I, oh, sorry. (laughs) Go ahead, Kashana. um, I do have a technical um, person at our school. We have an instructional technology facilitator, but it's kind of one of those things of you get the question, you go to her, she answers the question, then you have to convey the answer back. Um, so it can be kind of a runaround. So what I found myself doing is just kind of learning more and putting that into, I created a like, um, kind of FAQ page for my parents where they could go and get kind of frequently asked questions answered, um, through tutorials that I made. So I had to kind of learn the technology, make the tutorials, and then send that out to families to be able to kind of run triage on some of their own issues. So I wasn't answering like 180 emails a day. Yeah, Krishan, I had something similar. So we eventually got um, a hotline. So we already had one for ourselves. We didn't have a number for parents. Mm -hmm. We actually got that set up. But it was so busy that sometimes it was just easier for me to videotape a how to um, and then send it to the parent. So yep. Uh, I did that, ended up doing that a lot, but the, that problem was I didn't know how to. Yes. So, <laughs> so on our, on this podcast, on, on our different episodes, we've been, you know, talking about women's experience in the workplace and different types of workplaces. And just as both of you are talking, I'm just thinking about, you know, not only has this been such a huge change for the kids themselves and what they're experiencing, but also just for both of you and for teachers in general on how you even just go about planning and interacting with students. And I'm just, I'm so curious, how are you, you know, and your students, but how are you doing? <laughs> how are you doing in general with, with this, just the shift in, in the way of working? Angela, you want to take that one first? Yeah. So I, like I said, I'm seven years in and I really struggled with this. Like, um, I had a whole, like, if we're doing this forever, do I want to keep teaching moment mm-hmm. that lasted a few weeks? Uh, wow. Because my biggest thing is I love that interaction. Um, mm-hmm. I see teaching as a form of social justice, and I just wasn't feeling like we could have those deep, personal, meaningful conversations and discussions uh, that, like, drive my soul when it comes oh, to work with my kids. So um, I'm doing a little better now. This is my last week, so maybe that's why. Uh <laughs> Looking forward to the yeah, break. I've been, yeah, it's uh, like kind of regrouping my thoughts here, but I also think I've grown a lot and learned how to use the technology so that I could interact more with my kids. Um, so that's just been a transition for me, just going from that face-to-face interaction that I adore and love, and I love getting up and moving around, to be sitting, staring at a computer, trying to figure out what I'm doing again. So, yeah. Wow. Teaching as a form of social justice. 
I love that. We don't hear that enough. And I hope that um, most people in your field, honestly, see it that way, because that's a game changer. It really is a game changer. Connecting to everything that um, Angela just said, I think that I also view, you know, teaching as a form of social justice and as a way um, to, you know, do restorative practices and help kids heal and all kinds of things. And I think that when this first started, I was really caught up in all of the issues with distance learning on top of um, just the trauma of we didn't know it was going to be our last day of school and then it was. Um, so I think that it was really yeah. hard uh, to kind of get on board and see how this was going to work, especially uh, with our littles, because I teach the babies. Um, so my kids being first graders, it was hard for me to conceptualize how are these babies going to log on to the Internet right, and participate in this <laughs> by themselves. Right? And now it's been amazing to watch, you know, what my kids are capable of doing and how resilient they really are. Because now I'm sitting in conference calls, right, with six-year-olds where they're <laughs> figuring out the conference call etiquette and how to mute and all of these things, right? And I just never dreamed that that would be possible. So I think that as hard as this has been, this is really um, re-energized my spirit as a teacher and really helped me kind of reimagine what my classroom will look like because of this, because I never dreamed that I would ever be doing this and that my like littles would be able to do this on their own. Mm -hmm. I second that. <laughs> That's amazing. Conference calls with six-year-olds that are able to effectively use the technology to communicate with their teachers. I, I mean, this is really a different world. This is a different world and kudos to both of you for navigating through it. Oh my gosh, you're right. I mean, you guys, you, you teach first grade and second grade. The idea of seeing a classroom of 36 to yeah. eight year olds yeah. <laughs> on the screen just is, uh, what an image. Sweetest, it's the sweetest thing in the world. And it's, it is hilarious to see them because their parents want to come in and see what they're doing. They're like, I'm on a call. Busy. <laughs> Get in touch right, with my exactly. secretary, please. Do you have an appointment? I have time. <laughs> that is so cute. But I, I also feel like your profession and so many other professions need support around, like, how do you stay mentally mm -hmm. ready and charged, right? And I don't think because this has never happened before, no one's providing that. And I hope that that's something that's mm -hmm. really looked at as far as how we can just support professionals and this, all the challenges that they're yep. dealing with, what that means. Yeah. That's a great question. Have you, have either of you kind of, I, how are you working with your, you know, your colleagues? Have you, are you still are you having weekly meetings or is there a way that you're still kind of creating that sense of, you know, the, the support and the, the connection that you had with your, your colleagues in the school, how have you been able to, to kind of transition yeah. that? Yeah, I'll start with that one. Um, so we have several team meetings every day, pretty much. They only last about a half an hour. We've been trying to be super respectful of time. So I have a data coaching meeting with my, I still have coaching meetings and she's helping me just for at first she was helping with technology and then we were able to be like, okay, you got how to videotape and edit down. Now let's add these other cool things to help your kids like stay engaged. Um, so I have that meeting and then I have a team meeting K through two 
And I also join in with the second, third, and fourth grade meeting. Um, I, I flip-flop between those just because that's second grade kind of as a transition year. Mm-hmm. And then we have a whole group meeting. And then I meet with our ELL, English Language Learner. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of scholars who uh, use the English Language Learner Department um, in our school. And she helps me support how I can make the online learning um, more accessible so that they can really continue to grow. So, yeah, that's I've made it more wow. of a community is a lot of FaceTime, but yet not mm-hmm. that it's overwhelming. Like I look for daily half an hour That's great. where I get to see everyone's pretty face. <laughs> oh, good. good. Yeah. Sometimes those meetings are just like, okay, this could have been an mm-hmm. email, but, <laughs> but great to hear that those are a support and have been really helpful and in creating that community. Yeah. I have something very similar where I meet with my first grade team um, twice a week where we just kind of do planning and logistical things and kind of just catch up on life. And then we have a whole staff staff meeting once a week. And then we have a data meeting once a week that we just kind of talk through data, work through student placements for next year, um, think about some things that we're learning through distance learning, things like that. And then I am the equity leader at my school. So I hold meetings um, twice a month where we just dive deeper into different equity issues within our school, um, different social justice issues around distance learning, um, and really try to think about what we can do to improve our practice to fit this new situation. So I'm thinking um, you talked about, you know, sharing, you know, sending emails and other things that you're, you're doing with parents. Um, curious about how else you might be communicating with them or they might be communicating with you. Um, perhaps it's <laughs> more coming one direction than others. Um, and then if there are any tips or suggestions that you have or that you've been able to either um, share with parents or learn from parents or from, from any of your colleagues around, you know, just how um, both working parents and non-working parents are, um, are supporting their kids right now. And I think, and also hopefully supporting you too in your, <laughs> in your roles. Yeah, Krishana, if you want to start on that one. So for me, in terms of communicating with my families, I work in a district that's really big on social media. So um, I tweet a lot to my families. I post on Instagram, kind of giving them updates on things that are happening. So I make flyers for each of my um, class meetings that just say, hey, this is what we're going to do at our live meeting. This is the time it's going to be, all those types of things. Um, So that's in addition to email, just because I think that that's sometimes a more fun way um, for parents to receive your information. And I think that it's also more fun for the kids to kind of get to see a graphic of things that are going on. Um, In terms of tips and suggestions for parents, I think that for parents and caregivers, something that people have really not thought about is the fact that people have not been home with their kids for this amount of time since they were born, right? They've never been home with them for all of this time. So I think that one thing that I've been really working on with my parents as families is really supporting their socio-emotional health. Um, So really thinking about the fact that parents are under a lot of duress, um, kids are under a lot of stress, all of those things, and thinking about what are strategies and what are ways um, that parents can really take care of themselves so that they can take care of their kids. Um, So one thing that I've done is I try to send um, and post like little flyers that just have different um, social emotional tips that might just be, here's what we're doing for self-care. Here are some things that you can do um, to help yourself by just taking maybe a five-minute break, by meditating, 
Um, here are some ways to communicate with your child that might be more effective. Um, and I think that that's really helped. What I did with my kids this morning is they made a little matrix like poster that they put um, different ways that they can take care of themselves. So different ways that they can be responsible for their own um, kind of social health and ways that they can manage themselves to take that off their parents' plate and give them um, some definitive tools to use to help their kid calm down um, and have a better day. The other thing I would say for parents is it really comes down to scheduling. I think that this was really overwhelming for my parents when they first received the news that they were going to become uh, teachers and parents. And I think that um, one thing that has really helped them is just having a little routine for your kids for the day so that when they get up, they kind of know exactly what's going to happen that day. And then your day runs a lot smoother because they're able to take it on more independently. So my first graders know when they wake up, they need to like wake up, do all of their things in the morning, like get dressed, eat breakfast, all of those types of things. But then they know that they need to get on and record their like morning message for me or that we have a live morning meeting. They go on Google Classroom, they do their work, they do like we are specialists did virtual like PE and all those types of things. So then my kids do that and then they know that they have the rest of the day to fill with whatever fun things they want to do. Um, and I think that that has led to a much more um, harmonious <laughs> learning environment at home when the kids kind of know what's going to happen that day. So I think it really comes down to scheduling and then do what works for you. I know that um, for me, I was very big on my parents only doing what they felt capable of doing. So yes, there's hundreds of thousands of things posted on the Google Classroom. Yes, I posted an assignment for today, but if you can't get to that assignment and this is too overwhelming for you, do what you can. Okay, communicate with your teacher and say like, my family is really overwhelmed. My child cannot get this done today and that is okay. So I think that it's really about doing what you feel capable of doing, not feeling overwhelmed by this experience and understanding that we as teachers um, are here to support you just like we're here to support your kids and we wanna know what's going on in your world. So we want you to be okay, we want the kids to be okay. So the more that you communicate with us, the better outcomes that we can help you have at home. That mental health piece is so real. It really, really is. Um, and I commend you, honestly, for addressing that for parents. You know, when we become parents, we know that um, we can love our kids. We know that we have um, responsibilities that we have to our children. Um, but we also know our limitations. And educating our children is a limitation, you know, it's, 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 particularly if you aren't a teacher. So this, you know, I've spoken to and heard about um, people who have school-aged children in this COVID season. And it is really taking an emotional toll um, on the parents. You know, it is tough to be home with a school-aged child um, all day. Um, if you're still working, you still have to work, uh, manage their workload. Um, it is really a lot. Um, so the, the mental part of that... Uh, the emotional part of it, you know, I'm so glad that that is something that you are acknowledging and committed to to helping the parents because it it really is tough. Wow, that that is, I mean, that sounds great. We've talked a lot. Um, we've done a few episodes around what's going on with COVID and and how we've we've been adjusting. And one of the things that even I keep coming back to myself is mm -hmm. I need to get on a routine. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> And so even me as an adult trying to figure out how to just do my work, 
Um, you know, and I don't, right. I don't have kids at home. It's just me and my partner and our dog. And even I struggle with getting on a, a routine. So um, I think that that is hopefully advice that I think resonates with, yeah. with people yeah. of all ages. Um, and then Angela, what do you think about, about that and other things that you're, you're doing? And Yeah, and that's awesome. I mean, I loved hearing all of that. Those are some great ideas of how to like help kids become more independent too. Um, I, as far as communication goes, I like, I'm old school. I like to text and po- like make phone calls. Um, I have a lot of parents who sometimes just want to talk to another adult. Mm-hmm. So I've actually found that this has brought <laughs> yep. me like, incredibly close to my parents. Um, I have like a few that I call probably on a daily basis or they call me and we just chat for a few minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm like, I feel like we're friends now. Uh, (laughs) 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 Um, But yeah, so we, I make sure to at least have some sort of contact at least once a week, if not more, um, just to see how everyone's doing. Mm -hmm. And same, it's like if what you can, if you guys are overwhelmed, if things are happening right now, it doesn't matter what it is. You don't have to tell me. Just tell me I'm, I can't get to it this week. Like, or I just can't do it. And, like, that's mm-hmm. that's okay because our emotional and mental health is so very important right now. Like, you need to be able to be there emotionally and mentally for your child so they can, can continue to, be- to develop as well. We'll get we'll figure out the academics when this is, you know, we'll figure that part out. Like, but just mm-hmm. take care um, I made that very clear in the first few weeks of my phone calls when we were trying to set this up that at, at any point, if your feelings about this change, just communicate with me. So I know that you guys are okay. Um, as far as checking in with kids, uh, I do zones of regulation in my classroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess just oh. if anyone who doesn't know this. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about yeah, what that, so what that means? There's four different like emotional squares. It's like a grid, I guess. Um, and there's like, a green, which is kind of like calm, ready to learn, happy, but not too excited. Yellow, which can be like excited or nervous. Red is more of the anger feelings and blue is tired, depressed, disappointed. Mm-hmm. And we, do- we discussed that every single zone is important and good uh, for us to be in um, and how but what if we don't want to be in one of those zones, how we can like use a strategy to calm down. So in, our, mm-hmm. in my morning meeting post, I do a zone check in with them. And I let them know how I'm feeling. I've also been using my dog Potter. Um, <laughs> and he'll bark in the background sometimes. I'm like, Potter's in the red zone because the FedEx guy is on the front porch. I don't want them to ever internalize that their feelings are negative in any way. Because, I mean, I, I talked about recently how I, I realized that I was asking them to check one zone. And I was like, Last week it hit me. I was like, I'm in all the zones at once sometimes. Like, and that's okay. And so I explained that in the meeting. So yeah, they do daily check-ins on zones if they're optional. Um, and then they let me know how they're doing and what, if they want to share, they have the option to share why. If they want me to ask for help, they have the option to ask for help. And then I've been posting um, morning yoga and breathing exercises mm-hmm. just to kind of relate back to some things that we learned while we were in the classroom of how to calm ourselves down. Or how to like get ourselves more awake, depending on where we are in the zones of regulation. Yeah. Oh, great! I love that. I've never. I don't think I've ever it's, heard of the zones of regulation. That sounds. It's super helpful. Again, yeah. for adults and kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I think I use all of my kids' strategies like all day long. Like I, yeah. I have learned how to regulate through my children. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> well, it sounds like there's been a lot. I mean, of course, I mean, just exactly what you were just saying, Angela, about being in all the zones at once. Um, I, I, as we think about all the different professions and how things have changed throughout all of this, I think teaching is right up there at one of them that is likely the most stressful or has been the most challenging just in terms of switching so quickly, um, so very differently from what it, what it used to be. Um, but it sounds like you've both found positives that have come out of this or um, things that have been working well. So I would love to just hear more about if you think, you know, has something in particular been working well uh, remotely or is there anything that you think that you're gonna take back to your in-person classroom? Um, when you, you know, hopefully when we're, we get, you get the chance to get back in there um, in the fall. Oh my Angela, gosh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there were some, there are some like small math lessons where I'm like, man, I'd love, like, I can totally put my kids who I know are going to really get this, like, for example, time telling, like, I know they're going to really understand the mm-hmm. time telling thing. I'd love to have an even smaller group of like four kids who I know are still struggling with another concept. So now I have these videos that I'm like, I might just assign them to those videos since we do have laptops at school. Um, we have about 10 per classroom. So it's like, Hey, you guys go on here. You guys go to the station and uh, I can still get hit all of the standards. So yeah, that's that kind of stuff that I'm like, how can I use these videos? Cause some of them mm-hmm. are cool. Um, so, and then there, there is an exit ticket sort of thing that they take a, a very quick quiz on Google Forms and I'm able to see that data to see how they did. Um, so that's that's something that I've been thought about, like how to do that more virtually next year, more paper. Um, mm-hmm. So those are just some different things. As far as what's going really well, I found that the live teaching is definitely, definitely it. Like I love posting a little like 10 minute mini lesson mm-hmm. and meeting about it. So posting like maybe part of a chapter of a book or something and then we meet like three times a week and discuss it with my different groups um so that's been working really well especially once I figured out how to share screens and stuff like that um (laughs) I just learned I finally figured it out and did it successfully last week uh so yeah that took that's major that's major but I did it yeah because they still don't see it like I don't know what I'm doing wrong yeah (laughs) Like the youth tells me, it should be playing right now. And, 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 um, yeah. and, and Angela, after this call, I'm gonna call you so you can show me how to do it. Okay? I'll do my best to try and walk you through it. The buttons with the arrows and something else. <laughs> directions from a teacher, I know. <laughs> yeah. And Christiana, what about, what about you? What have you, anything you've been thinking about bringing yeah. back to your, that's working well that uh, you might I think bring I back? I echo everything that Angela just said. I think that the most amazing thing that has happened here is a teacher who's just one person in a sea of 28 little people is that this has allowed me to really multiply myself through video teaching. There can be 28 of me at a time. And I think that that's really exciting because when I go back to school um, for my small groups, and for intervention or enrichment purposes, you know, I can make videos and create stations where I can send my kids to a station where they can um, get the lesson from me, but through a video while I can work with kids who might be still struggling with that concept. So that just gives me more time to support my learners 
um, in new ways. And I think it's also changed the way um, that I think about homework. I am not a huge um, person on homework, but I think that this has really made me think about um, what kind of levels of interaction I can provide during, through homework experience. Like my kids can now collaborate online. They now know really how to use a computer. So that's a big shift for um, a first grader to just be able to know how to get on a computer and do something. So my kids can now research and do all kinds of stuff that were just that was just not possible um, for them to do 100% independently before. Another thing that's working for me is I made a Bitmoji classroom, and I don't know if you guys have seen this, but it's like the cutest thing in the world, where you um, redesign your entire classroom using your Bitmoji, and like everything in my classroom is a button. So like everything that my kids see is something that will take them somewhere else to learn something new about what we're learning or to go on, like my kids went on a virtual field trip to Disney World and like Mickey Mouse came in and redecorated our classroom, right? And things like that. So I'm like, this has given me a really awesome opportunity um, to just create new points of connections with my kids and families and be able to send out fun things like that that my kids can use um, at their discretion. So there, it's a lot of cool things have come from this. Krishana, you sound very tech savvy. <laughs> I. I am. This has really pushed my capacity um, for tech. I feel like now I'm going to get like my side hustle will be at the Apple store after this. But um, it it has been really amazing what is possible. And the great thing is that teachers online are really supporting teachers. So I feel that I've grown this amazing um, professional network of teachers through Instagram and Twitter, and they're posting these amazing tutorials, walking us through even some of the most basic things that has been so helpful for me. Because yeah. all I need is for one person to figure it out, and then I can watch your thing and try to figure it out as best I can. Yeah, yeah. You should start your own YouTube channel or something, and I'll follow you. Oh, <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because the business person in me keeps thinking, wow, your resumes <laughs> are going to be really nice now. Like, you can, you so many skills you've developed you know just because and now you can put this on your resume not that you're going to change schools anytime soon I'm just saying you know but your resumes are going to be awesome <laughs> right yeah video editing yeah you guys are going to be really in demand that's all I'm saying you might want to ask for a raise yes. when you get back to school <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah, I think for sure. And this is also just making me think, and Micah, you and I have talked about this a little bit of just like different opportunities or um, where we're going to see growth in mm-hmm. yes. new startups or more technology ideas to support teachers um, in all of these, you know, new things that you're, you're both wanting to do in the classroom and then also right. in, in a lot of ways having to do. Um, yeah. So it'd be so interesting. I wish I had just like a great idea. <laughs> but as we are talking, I'm like, no, they, they've got it. They, they're, they're solid. You know, te- <laughs> we as teachers, uh, I feel like we were the most equipped for this because we've always had to work with the least amount of time yeah. and least resources. So they're like, you're moving virtual tomorrow. It's we're like, like, okay, I guess we'll make it happen. <laughs> and we just do it. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's probably so true, which is a, you know, speaks to the state of, of education in our, in our country of that teachers have the most to do with the fewest resources. Um, but that's, that's a, 
that's a great point. You, yeah, yeah. teachers will like find forced, a way. I mean, and when you work with little kids too, you're forced to always think outside the box. Yeah, because no child is ever going to react the same to anything at any point, emotionally or academically. So it's like, yeah, we have a toolbox of things that we know, but like we have to always keep expanding. I kind of felt like in my sixth year, I was like, I'm going to be the best teacher I am ever. Like I'm going to max out. And then I was like, <laughs> nope, just kidding. And you're seven. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's even more. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and you have to innovate. Wow. <laughs> no, you have to innovate on the spot. Sometimes yeah. you go and you're like, this is going to be the best thing ever. The kids are going to love it. And it falls flat. Yeah. And you're like, well, <laughs> here we go. Yeah. <laughs> And I just, I can only imagine the things that come out of their mouth because they, their filter is not as, as built up as ours is right now. We have heard it all. (laughs) Yeah, I would love that. What's the, what's the silliest or most unexpected thing that you have, you've seen so far during all of this from your kids? Whoever wants Uh, to start that one. Muting was an interesting skill for my kids to acquire. (laughs) So I got a lot of side conversations. (laughs) And one day I surprised my kids with something. I was like, this is going to be awesome. They're going to love it. It's great. And one of my kids was unmuted and he was like, "Uh, I'd rather just do work. And I was like, "Uh uh, you're unmuted. unmuted." (laughs) So yeah, you have to have really thick skin and you have to be able to work yourself through the zones of regulation. Yeah. Oh my goodness! I'm just thinking if I said that during a meeting or something. Like, oh "Ah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I guess mine's not. And like, I have a little friend who whose whose mother went into the hospital with COVID nineteen. So, was just she was reaching out for support and like she was texting me nonstop. Is pretty much what I'm saying. Like. I mean, I kid you not, like, it was, like, 100 texts a day. And for a while, I was like, I can't keep up with this. And then, oh, my gosh, she didn't text me back one day. And I was like, oh, my gosh, is she okay? So I called her. And she's like, oh, no, <gasps> mom's home. We're good. And I was like, oh. And- <laughs> I was like, you can text me whenever you want, right? And she was like, oh, okay. And, I mean, this is all through Classroom Dojo, so it's not, like, a direct text. But anyways, we continue right. to share messages, and we still are. And um, she just... She knows how to use the emojis like a teenager and she's seven years old. And it just makes me laugh all the time. Like she's just oh. she's witty. She's funny. So I just, I, I loved seeing that little side of her because she's usually really quiet during school, but um, her little, her side came out. Oh, and she taught me how to use, what is that called? Speech to text. Oh yeah. Yeah. She taught me how to use that. Cause I was like, what are you talking about? And she's like, it's a button on. And, okay. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, that was was a really great thing from her just like that bonding that went Mm -hmm. even further than I thought and at first I was like I'm not ready for this (laughs) this is like having a child (laughs) but um yeah Yeah. it's just been great (laughs) great oh my goodness wow and that's that's so fun though of using those that she's able to use those emojis so it kind of shows a different side of her personality able to come out I never thought about that. Yeah. Well, great. Well, um, Dames, any other questions or um, Angela, Krishana, anything, anything you want to share with us? Any tips, any suggestions, any final thoughts, especially as you're heading into summer? 
Micah? I had a quick question. Yeah, I had a quick question around uh, mm-hmm. helping parents through the summer. Like, should they be, because their kids' mm-hmm. schedules have been compressed, like, should they be doing work throughout the summer with them to kind of get them ready for the fall? Or should they just, because it's extraordinary circumstances, just kind of let the summer be what um, the summer is so going to be? So for me, I feel that the best thing we can do for our kids, no matter what, age they are is just make sure that they are reading and make sure that they are doing something with numbers. So I think that when we think of reading, I think a lot of parents think, oh, I have to sit my kid down and give them a book and say, read for like 20 minutes and only do that. But I mean, they could be reading recipes. They could be reading magazines. They could be reading whatever. It's just as long as they're practicing those literacy skills, um, those are going to be extremely helpful to them when they return to school. And then working with numbers, anything you can do to help your child um, work on their math skills is critical. So I think that if you want to bake with your child, if you want uh, to go collect rocks with your child and they count them, whatever it might be, um, anything that you can do to help them kind of solidify their sense of numbers is really, really helpful when they return to school. Because what we're going to see is a summer slide, because that always happens when there's summer. It's not, it's never going to be as rigorous as school was. But I think that now that there are all these digital resources, parents now have a really awesome library that they can tap into of things that their kids can do um, to practice their skills. Yeah, I second that for sure. Definitely with the reading and number sense. Um, I also, so I, I, I included some online summer work and I gave some Mm-hmm. Uh, really, I think really fun science experiments because I think summer is a great time to do a lot more explorative learning um, inside and outside. So just because there's a lot more to like developing and connecting and making like different connections around the world. So <laughs> I uh, put that in assignments as well, like things to do outside, like a scavenger hunt for a nature walk one day. Mm-hmm. Um, so just things like that too. Um, and then once again, just kind of have them do what they can. So um, I'm hoping that they'll be able to start sort of supporting my, some of my parents who are going to be too overwhelmed at first are able to do some of these more hands-on activities that I've posted rather than um, the videos and all that kind of stuff. So, Yeah, I would agree too with Angela about the more explorative cool. learning too because I think like I gave my kids um, – a resource to help them kind of create their own project over the summer. So think of their own thing that they want to learn about and kind of figure out how to learn more about that thing. And I think that this is the perfect time to do it. It also empowers your child um, to be able to learn independently and be able to figure out the answers to complex problems. So the more that you can do of that with them, I think that 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 has a long-term lasting effect where they feel very validated and important because they did it. I love that. Yeah, and I guess there was one more yeah, thing I wanted nice. to add. Very nice. I know we made this sound, I made this sound like like it was super successful, but I just, I have to be mm-hmm. straightforward. Like I have 30 kids and only 17 of them are regularly doing work. You yep. have those 13 where um, even yeah. with all of the things that we tried, we couldn't get them access to technology or internet or Wi-Fi was down or the computer broke, um, et cetera. Overwhelmed, like um, just mental health is more Mm -hmm. important so it's like I don't want anyone to listen to this and be like oh my gosh like I feel bad like 17 like that's half of my class and I'm saying like they're not not even all of them are doing it to the best of their ability but the fact that they're they're engaging a little bit um so this sounds like I sound like you know I made everything really awesome but I (laughs) 
I tried my best. But I, I, uh, I wish I could have gotten more kids on. It just, mm-hmm. I also personally got overwhelmed with calling parents all the time and seeing like trying to get them logged in and not understanding. So um, I had to give myself some grace as well and step back and be like, okay, well, what can I do? How can I support them while still supporting myself? And at some point, I, de- I just made that decision where it was like, all right, I have the ones on that are on. I'm going to focus on them mm-hmm. and just keep texting the parents and making sure that they're okay mentally and physically, um, even if they don't want to talk to me. So that's kind of where uh, I just wanted to be very candid about that, that this was not an easy process for me emotionally um, as well. And it wasn't 100% success by any by any standards that I hold myself yep. to. So, and. Angela, I think you're absolutely correct, too, because I'm finding the same thing of you have that same percentage of kids who are just not engaging in this for whatever the reason Mm -hmm. might be. And I think that there's this perception now that people are like, oh, we're going to do distance learning in the fall. We're going to do all these things. But I think what they have to consider is that um, this this is inherently inequitable Mm -hmm. and all of our students are not getting the same level of support at home. And right now, um, at least for my students, it's not punitive, right? right? If they don't participate, there's no impact to that. But in the future, it most likely will be. So I think that we have to really, when we're making policies and when we're making changes, we need to think about the fact um, that all of our kids don't have the same resources at home, whether it be a physical laptop or just an adult to support them. And I think that, you know, when it comes to grading kids and giving feedback and all of those things, it's going to end up being a really um, – murky situation because I think that some of us know uh, the work that's coming from our kids some of us have work that's coming from adults um, and being turned in as our kids and then some kids aren't able to turn in anything at all so I think that there is a lot to be considered before we think about this as a long-term solution Um, because I think that there is this narrative of oh well it happened so it worked right and we made it work but it is not um, a sustainable solution especially for the little ones And I think to your point, it's all around and COVID has what we already knew around the inequality Mm -hmm. that's that is America and access that is America. COVID has only highlighted it even more. And so it's just change to your point, change policies. Those need to be different if Mm -hmm. we're going to really be competitive in the world with our with our kids. Period. When they're potentially going to be evicted from their parents lost their jobs like it just. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I don't even care about that anymore. I'm mm-hmm. just going to go bring them food. Like, that's just what they right, right. now. Like, uh, I've dropped everything else for that. But, but yeah, I it just made me so angry. <laughs> I still get work. And it's also, well, I think it's also the digital literacy of our kids, too. I think that people assume if you hand a child a laptop, they can use it. Right. And what at least I know from working with little kids is as digitally literate as people think they are and what they are are two very different things. Um, So I think that it was very difficult to just say, get on this device and go, right? And I think that people just assume there were so many school districts who were just handing out laptops to people, right? But with no instructions, no support, no help, then what what are we really doing? Are we really providing them with an opportunity? Are we providing them with a new um, kind of barrier for them to be able to do their work? Excellent point. See now the real talk is yeah yeah right all those (laughs) curiosity but this is like yeah I'm really glad that you both are are highlighting that you know 
you you put a very impressive spin um, on the work that you have managed to do and you know what the kids who are engaging are accomplishing but I think so important um, to hear hear the reality of it too I think especially right now we have such a tendency mm -hmm. to look at the positives um, kind of you know find the silver lining when in reality you know Angela as you said only 17 out of 30 kids are even engaging um, let alone engaging at the full level um, and so, you know, what, what does this mean? What does this mean for, for you as teachers? What does this mean for parents, for kids themselves, of course, um, and for, you know, really the whole system mm -hmm. and how do we, how do we fix it? Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe another <laughs> yep. podcast. Yep. Okay. Well, uh, Angela, Krishana, thank you so much for joining us. Um, this has been fantastic to hear more about your experience um, the, the incredible and very quick, um, flexes that you were able to make in your, your day-to-day -day work and how you're able to support those students and parents and families, um, going through this. And of course that, you know, while there have been some big wins, um, and I think you both should hopefully feel very proud of your accomplishments that, you know, not everything has been, has been a, a success with this and we'll, we'll have to, we'll have to see what happens over the coming months and, um, Hopefully, hopefully, we'll kids will be back in classrooms, and you will both yeah. be back in classrooms. I hope so too. Uh -huh. um, I just wanted to tell you both, thank you. You know, you are essential workers. Uh, whether you're leaving your homes or or in your or or not, you're on the front line, and you both are very passionate and committed to educating our children. So I thank you, and I thank you for all that you're doing, um, not only with our children, but with us too as parents. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you listeners for joining us and um, stay tuned you, for, for our next episode. Thanks so much, you guys. Yeah. Bye. If you have any questions, email us at dametalk4 at gmail.com. That's dametalk and the number four at gmail. To learn more about us and these topics, check out our website at dametalkpodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for listening. This is Dame Talk. We don't know everything, but we know enough.